precisely when he means to. Hello and welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for today or tomorrow, potentially yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this. And uh, you're probably first thing you're wondering is that slightly different intro music is because um, Jake Leinhart of the uh, the Salt Report. Um, we were having a chat and he says, um, I said, make me some beats, Jake. So he made me some beats. So I've not decided what I'm putting there as a choice of four, but you might have heard some beats in the front, so I'm very, very grateful to him. Um, joining me today um, is a gentleman. Well, it's been a while since we've had a quick start on the kickstart, just because I've not been recording for a little while. So we decided um, to drag in a Mr. Owen Costello and Owen Costello is from Decking Awesome Games. And Owen Costello is here to talk about dice summoners. So, hello, Owen. Hi. Hi, Hi Richard. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. That's, pretty that's well. Good. It's a nice. How are you feeling being inside the games cupboard? <laughs> <laughs> Feels good. Cool? Yeah, yeah, nice and cozy. Nice and cozy. <laughs> well, it's, that's the thing about cardboard is it's just potentially lots and lots of insulation. So at the time I thought this is cool. I'll I'll have a cupboard full of games and then I'll record in it. But then I realised pretty quickly that it's like after a while it's like standing near a furnace. So it's not that great. Um, but yeah. thank you for coming Maybe on. It's good to thank good you very to, much for having oh, me. It's good. It's good for people that haven't listened because we got to do the admin stuff. For people that haven't listened to us before, thank you very very much for joining us. The reason that we do this is because um, I am addicted and I must be stopped. But uh, you're not going to stop me because I've now moved house So and I'm hiding. And the other reason that we do this is because um, Owen got in contact with us, uh, magic at wearenotwizards.com, and said, um, I'm doing this game. And I went, yeah. And, and he says, here, have some information on it. I went, okay. And then he says, I'll tell you what, actually... Um, do you want to come on the show? And I was like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. So um, that's what we did. Yeah, and, thank uh, you very much for having me. That's okay, that's okay. Um, but what we want to do is we want to talk a little bit about um, how you got into the hobby and also a little bit about um, your good self in general because I think it's good. As we say, we like to find out a little bit about your um, history so do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into the hobby in the first yeah. place? Sure, sure. So uh, as a kid uh, or a teenager, I was, I was big into Warhammer 40k and Yu-Gi-Oh, mm -hmm. uh, which was, uh, I just loved the kind of painting the miniatures and, and hanging out with friends and playing uh, the, uh, the tabletop game. It was really kind of interesting to kind of meet up with people and play a real game because uh, mm -hmm. it was big in the computer games as well. Um, 
And then I kind of stopped doing that after a while because it was uh, it got a little bit too expensive for me, just a little bit. And uh, and then I I did, it was in college and I I found out yeah. about like actual tabletop board games. Um, because right. I was at a yeah I was at a LAN where uh, everyone was playing computer games and we we're all having a good fun, uh, good time. And then the uh, the internet got cut off halfway through the LAN because and this is in a big college and it was at like nine p.m. at night. Um, all right. And we all we all took out uh, Werewolf. Uh, someone mentioned Werewolf, and uh, we all uh, we didn't know what it was, and we started playing it, and it was an absolutely incredible kind of moment. That was like probably the first moment I realized that this is uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, like you get this different social dynamic you get with um, actual face-to-face games, um, and of course the internet came back up halfway through Werewolf, and we just kept playing. Yeah, the rest of the like for four, like I think it was like three <laughs> just or four left hours it. playing. What was it you Werewolf, were playing yeah. on the on the LAN? I think it was like it was Unreal Tournament we were playing at some oh, right. games and uh, Counter Strike and some uh, real time strategy games like Dawn of War. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it was. It was. Uh. But the werewolf was just like you. You, you saw people because uh, you have to kind of haggle with people. And you have to kind of figure out who they are, if they're a werewolf or not. And so at yeah. that moment, I was like, you get you get so much. Uh. You learn so much more about how people act and when they're lying and stuff like that, which is. Uh, Something you don't really get when you're playing like first-person shooters and stuff like that. So yeah, it was great fun. And then ever since exactly. then, I was, I'm totally, I'm totally addicted. Totally addicted. To I suppose games. you can't tell yeah. if somebody's gonna, you know, if they're either gonna lob a grenade at you or they're not gonna lob a grenade at you. There's no kind of they're pretending to lob a grenade at you and then shoot you in the head. I guess it's like <laughs> kind of extremes. <laughs> I guess the thing with werewolf is, yeah. well, I, I might be attacking you, I might not be attacking you, I might kind of, I might kind of decide. And I think for people that are maybe thinking board games being rolling a dice and moving piecings about to say that well what do you do how do you start this off well i'll tell you what um we're all going to gather in a circle and then we're all going to close our eyes it's like well how how the hell does (laughs) how does that work how's that a board game so it's kind of like an interest in the interesting it's it's a it's a strange idea at board games because the board games kind of encompasses such a wide specter of spectrum of like Things like card games and, like you're saying, these social dynamic games that don't even have components, um, which is so like you bring you're bringing new people into the hobby, and you say it's a board game, they do tend to think of Monopoly and stuff like that, um, which yeah. is only like a, a part, yeah. a small part. Of I think it. the interesting thing is the fact that people are still um, finding almost like many genres within the bigger genres. They're kind of like bringing together new mechanics and putting new mechanics together and stuff like that as well, which is always pretty which is always pretty cool. There's always somebody saying, Well, um, this is what you do, you do this and except you're collecting this and you're doing that and there's like, that's extraordinary. How come nobody kind of thought of that? And there's there seems to be it seems to be the kind of the gift that kind of keeps on giving. You know, it, it um it sometimes yeah, like, I, I know we, we, we could, Yeah, you could say it's like ten years time you could be thinking of whole new different mechanics. Like like a really big one lately is the legacy games, yes. like Pandemic Legacy yes, yeah. and stuff, which are just incredible to play. Um, and you think to yourself, how has this not been made before? <laughs> Those kind yeah, of that mechanic. I, I just I just, I don't know, and I think it's um, it's also not a case that the guys that are leading in the market can be necessarily the guys who are going to come up with the next big thing. I mean, if you think about um, say code names or something like that, you know, code names, even you know, the mind. You know, and that's from Pandasaurus, I think. Now, they're obviously known for um, 
they're obviously well known for like Wasteland Express delivery services, big, huge, chunky pick up and deliver game. And they're also obviously known uh, for uh, Dinosaur Island as well. But then they've got the the mind, which is this again this strange kind of social deduction kind of uh, thing, which is very very strange indeed. I would, I mean, was that was that a good couple of years ago that you kind of got introduced into the hobby? As you have you got quite a substantial collection now then? Yeah, yeah. So that was about uh, nine years ago, uh, mm-hmm. and so uh, ever since then it was kind of. I, was, I, I tend to, tend to play a lot of smaller games. Uh, mm-hmm. We tend not to, so we have a lot of kind of uh, forty minutes to an hour games. Yeah. Uh, but we do. Uh, it's kind of a group of friends that uh, we have like plays like games like Terra Mystica mm-hmm. and obviously Pandemic Legacy, uh, our season one. But um, yeah, it's it's grown quite a lot. Um, I don't think I have my actual collection. We tend to share quite a lot uh, with all the people. But uh, yeah, it grows. You can't help it. But you see a new game and you. You have to pick it up, you know. It, I mean, you're sharing games. That's kind of interesting. Do you think, um, with the price of games seeming to increase, that that's more of a common thing? That I mean, it's not like okay, look at it. It's not like video games. I mean, I'll I'll have a copy of Dark Souls remastered. My friend will have a copy of Dark Souls remastered. We'll all have a copy of Dark Souls remastered. It's not a case that we'll all kind of we'll all kind of one of us will have a copy of the game and then everybody else will kind of like you know share it and play it around. I think in board games now you get somebody saying, "Well, I'm going to go and uh, I'm going to go and pledge in this game, or I'll go and pick up a copy of this game," and people will decide whether or not it's uh, it's kind of good enough, and they'll pick up their own copy. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, again, and, and the, the, you can just share with other people as you're going through, and like if you have a gaming group of people and you find a game you might think they like, and then uh, you can just trade it with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 really kind of uh, cool. I, I I like to make sure that I at least play a game like four or five times before I buy a new game yeah. because otherwise I'll just end up with loads and loads of unopened <laughs> games. <laughs> like my like my cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I'm I'm looking at my gaming shelf right now and I can see four or five games I haven't played. Exactly. <laughs> it's the worst. It's like I don't know. I think I put my I finally put my foot down this year and went. Um, I'm gonna stop. Um, this is my cupboard um, there are many other cupboards like it but this is mine and this is the finite space that I have to put anything, anything kind of connected into the hobby so if there's going to be anything that's external to the hobby that's not going to fit in the cupboard or in the hobby that's not going to fit in the cupboard, something else is going to have to go and I think you have to play it like that because otherwise you end up with a whole pile of games kind of going wrong which again yeah. comes back to the sharing stuff, I mean there's a there's a fabulous, uh, and he's getting a shout out because he's a wonderful guy, called Andy, who um, he goes to the, the game group that I go to. And he's a big, huge collector of um, card games. So he's got like Legend of the Five Rings and he's got like um, Star Wars Destiny is like one of his big jams. But he's one of these guys that if anybody's going to go out and go all in, to a game, especially a card game, it's usually him that does it. But the on the but then he'll come like turn up and say, "Oh, I got this as a secondary set, so you can just have it." So like the other week, he's like, "Oh, do you want this? Um, I got these these in the sale, but I decided I've got all my decks done, so I don't need them. Do you want this kind of all these spare cards from Star Wars Destiny? So I've got like masses of stuff, and he won't take any money off you, Owen." <laughs> <laughs> no. it's like, he, might, he, might, he might take games I, <laughs> I, take, I keep well, that's kind of threatening him like when he's like oh, we'll see him at the club I'm going to 
like drop a drop a copy of Gloomhaven in his bag. <laughs> just something he won't <laughs> something he won't notice. Just like go, but what's that? Oh no, mate. Oh my bag's got really heavy. Oh, I don't know what that is. Don't open it, wait until you get home. It's like yeah, like they've made a bag big enough for, for Gloomhaven, I'm sure they've they've not. Um But yeah, I, th- I think I think people do certainly get they like a certain mechanic because, like, yeah. uh, I, my sister, my sister loves uh, um, uh, worker placement games, so she pick up a lot of worker placement games. And uh, but, like, I, I know I won't need to pick up any worker placement games if I want to play one. I'll just go to her house, you know. <laughs> exactly, it's just like that. So, Owen, are you here for a social video? It's like, um, I was, yeah, I was just checking how you were, and uh, maybe I was just going to borrow Viticulture. <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just a quick, just a stop quick, by, you, you know. know just, yeah, just checking if you're okay. Did you? Uh, did you, I brought you some milk? Um, Owen, we don't yeah. need milk. I just brought you some anyway because you never know. I, I tell you what, I'll have a glass of milk. Uh, or do you want to go and get me a glass of milk? <laughs> <laughs> I hear you got the new uh, Lords of Water deal expansion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you mind if I borrow it for a couple of? Um, months um (laughs) so uh, you said obviously the the kind of the worker placement isn't your bag so what you've been what you've been playing kind of recently that's kind of been setting fire to the third bar for you oh well like uh, i I like to mix around with a lot of different types of games uh but i recently playing dice forge which is just i love that i love dice type of games and uh it's kind of a cool mechanic where you can build your own dice kind of like a like dice building, like yeah, because you see you see a lot now nowadays of more and more deck building and card building kind of games. Yeah, um, and I just love I just love the style of Dice Forge, um, uh, and it's really simple to play. And yeah, stuff. I love the simplicity of Dice Forge. I mean, it's just a case of you start off, and for people that haven't um, seen it, um, and Owen, please interrupt me if I'm talking absolute rubbish. But basically, <laughs> no, you <please>. are um, <clears throat> you're trying to. Um, you're basically trying to gain favor, gain gold, gain victory points, but you're given kind of like dice. And on these dice, you can change the faces. So what you can do is you can either go for like victory points or power, or you can go for like um, money. And the more money that you get, you can buy different die faces. So you can like take the top off, take these. I mean, they quite can be quite difficult. <laughs> to take off <laughs> but you can remove the faces from the dice and you can replace them with kind of like new ones which is really cool so they might have instead of one bit of gold it might have two bits of gold or it might have like you kind of like get different um, powers elemental powers that you can use to buy like powerful cards which affect your game and, and stuff like that and it's all it's just it's one of these games, I don't know if you found it, it was really, really simple to play the first couple of games, but then you managed to kind of get into the strategy. And they've done the really nice thing of having like a two-tier system. So you've got like the basic game, but then if you want to ramp things up, you've got like a collection of other, um, you've got like a collection of other cards you can bring into the game. Yeah, that's a great explanation. <laughs> Nothing to add. I have nothing to add. Nothing to add. <laughs> yeah. um, sorry. That covers it. That covers it. That's it. The, the defense rests, Your Honor. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I love that. I love that tiered system. Any game that does that kind of tiered system of uh, of ramping people up uh, and then adding in new kind of what looks like confusing mechanics, uh, but they're just kind of built up on previous mechanics. Just 
makes makes life so much easier. Yeah, and it means it's easy and to introduce it's, people it's, as well to to get them in. Yeah, because because you, you don't you don't you don't want to re- read out the whole rule book to someone. No, but if you can read out a third of the rule book yeah. and then get them started, then that's that's exactly that's happy what days. Get in. Happy days. I like yeah, the yeah. Um, hats off to the way you store the store the game afterwards. It's so neat. Yeah. yeah. And you it just is. take it. Out. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I do like when you open up Dice Forge, you can immediately play the game, yeah. and you don't have to set up anything. No. But the problem is when you, when you finish a game, it doesn't matter who the winner is or who the loser is. Everyone has to spend ten minutes <laughs> to put it back in the box. <laughs> exactly. There's no kind of um, astonishing kind of lapse of honor when you do win. It's like uh, yeah, that's that's great own, but can you sit down and you got to take all the dice faces <laughs> off dice. there's always that thing where it's like there's always one where it's like I can't get this face off I can't get this face off it's like what did you do stick it on the glue and then somebody will come in with their nail and this thing will ping halfway across the room <laughs> Fly halfway across and the room. hit the cat yeah, and yeah. hit the cat <laughs> right between the eyes <laughs> the cat will be like that don't you play dice boards again? Next thing you know, half the counters are gone, and they're found in the cat basket, and some of them are slightly, <laughs> slightly chewed, so you can't put the faces on the dice as well. I'm pretty sure that's a mechanic of the game, though. I think the the designer imp- uh, intended that. <laughs> exactly. I'm pretty sure that it was forged. It's like um, the five faces; they're really, really easy to take off. But this sixth one, <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit sticky. Do you want us to change that? Oh, no, it's fine. No, you just you just leave that. You just leave that on. Kind of thing, which is pretty cool. It's a social social dynamic to the game, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's called I don't know. It's called it's kind of like loser's remorse or something like that. It's called. I mean, I want to induce fun and rage, um, which which is always good. Helps you not concentrate on the game. You're not concentrating on the game. Concentrating on the. I would hear you. You buy a new face in your dice. You're like, oh, how am I going to put this on? It's not like they even build a tool because they just say, oh, just use a corner one of the dice, and it's like. Can't use the other corner because I've got to take the corner off the dice first in order. Oh, this is just so confusing. I need to go and have a lie down. This is rubbish. Um, what are you playing anything else at all? Um, well, I, I, I tend to do kind of uh, meetups and stuff, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and we we, t- we tend to play all sorts of different types of games. Right. Um, although I, I will say that one of the, my favorite memories of board games is uh, I don't know if you've ever played this game. It's called uh, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Yes, I've heard. Um, yeah, I've heard of. Have, um, yeah. I've heard of it. I've heard lots of people go. Sherlock Holmes is a bit of a get. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're you're not obviously you're not Sherlock Holmes, but um, it's it's an incredibly good game. It's one of those games that I absolutely love playing, uh, and I'll, I'll pick it up any time. Um, but you lose. Every single time, you, you have never, I've never come close to winning. Exactly. <laughs> I think you have to get like you have to get like 150 points. I think it is. Oh, and like I that. think the best I've gotten is like negative 60. <laughs> I think, as I say, I think the best the best thing about it, and I think um, the other people that have played it have said like you'll be like you'll finally solve it, and you go, aha, it was the kitchen. Um, the kitchen helper, and he did it with poison, but he put the poison on the glasses. So when the guy put his glasses back on, he got deadly poisoned. And they'll be like, yes, and how long did it take us? It took us 52 moves to find out. And then you turn over the, you open up the envelope, or you go to the booklet where it tells you how many, how many turns it took Sherlock Holmes to do it. And he went, I did it in three. Ha ha ha. And it's just, <laughs> just like, what? And it's all about him knowing exactly where he went to go. Oh, I just went to Specsavers. Bet you 
bloody hell. <laughs> Scumbag. Yeah, I remember that. There's a, there's, yeah, I, I don't want to ruin it, but there's some, some incredibly uh, strange ones. <laughs> but like, the thing is, <laughs> you can, because we, we, we've done, I used to do it on, uh, on the boat, so you'd kind of look at the mission, you kind of look at uh, some of the different areas in Sherlock Holmes, and you'd leave the game for like two hours yeah. and think about it. Uh, and before you go back, um, but we we go off on wild tangents, like accidentally go to the wrong house and start talking to the Russian guys. And you think this is all like a Russian mafia thing? Yeah. And it has nothing to do with the Russians. Exactly. <laughs> you get to the end, and it's like, uh, sorry, you you chose um, you chose poorly, and you're like, damn! How many points have we lost? How many points have we lost? 150 points we've lost. What are we at now? We're at one minus 1,796. I don't even know how we got the six points. I don't know why. It's just all madness. But. It's chaos. How? That's the best part, I think. (laughs) Okay, how do you go from the the chaos of Sherlock Holmes to kind of like going, I could do this? I mean, um, how, I mean, how yeah, did yeah, well, you go from that? What made you sit down and think, actually, I could actually have a have a shot at this myself? So uh, I used to do computer game development. Oh, um, okay. Which was yeah, this this is in college and just after college, I'd make some computer games, and uh, that was kind of it was fun to make the computer games, but it took a very long time because to actually create a prototype takes months of work. Yeah, and you have to have like a fairly good idea. And then uh, when I started getting into board games more and more, um, we'd come up, the group would come up with ideas, but we'd never do anything about them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at a certain point, we just decided to uh, to give it a shot. And we created the first prototype uh, of our game, and then we just started playing it. And it took, like, like you know, it just takes, uh, like, the current iteration of the game we're working on took, took uh, is 32 iterations. Of it, so it just takes a long time. Just keep working over and over and over. But because it's so quick to prototype, yeah, and um, it just yeah. it makes life so much easier. You can kind of focus on what the game is and uh, what the mechanics are and how players interact. Um, which you can't. You, you I, I never really got that with uh, computer games. Um, because you could you could play show, show the computer games to people and they'd be impressed by the graphics or the sound or the automation in the stuff. But in board games, you can have a piece of paper and it can look terrible. Yeah. And it can be like a doodles written on it and people will like their imagination just takes over and they, they don't, they don't care about the, uh, the graphics at all. No. And you can just solely focus on the mechanics of it. And I just, I thought that was, uh, I, so yeah, I'm, 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 I, I'm t- way more into board game design than I am computer game design now. I think it's, I think, um, John Gilmore, um, you know, friend of the show, um, all around generally nice guy. I mean, he is generally nice guy. It's not like he's closed behind doors. He's like going about being nasty to things. He's just generally nice. <laughs> but he's like got um, like a toolbox, like an entire rack just full of like pieces of paper and meeples and dice and counters and stuff like that. And he's like, it's really, really easy to put together. Uh, like an almost like an alpha version of a game and actually have, what do you say, have the same amount of fun that you would have with a finished version. He says, I think that's the difference. That's why he likes designing board games so much, is that he can actually get something turned around in a day and have somebody sitting down in front of them, playing it, absolutely grasping what he's trying to get and playing with the rules. Whereas in a computer game, as you said yourself, if you're in the alpha stages, you're not. You're usually not, it's usually a finished product before you actually get something kind of out there, isn't it? 
Yeah, and, and people, and it's it's so much harder. In, in board games, it's really easy to take pieces out of a board game. Yeah. So, like, imagine, and so if you if you have a prototype and you're showing it to a bunch of people and you can see in their face and, and what they're saying, that they love specific parts of the game. So maybe, like, a start of the game, they like this mechanic. And say they don't like a sp- other part of the game. They, uh, in a computer game, it's so difficult to take that out because you spend so much time on that yeah. specific uh, yeah. thing, whether whether it's like a, a dialogue between characters or if it's a specific like shooting mechanic, um, you don't want to take that out, even if people don't like it. Whereas in board games, because you can prototype so quickly, mm-hmm. you can just take that whole thing out and and streamline it and make it simpler, and then just go to what people are actually finding fun with the game and what people are connecting with. Yeah, and then you can just have that in the game, and you don't feel as emotionally invested or or like you don't you can take it out and still feel like it's a complete game um, yeah which i, I find incredible um, i suppose it's a thing of like if somebody says to you okay well um <clears throat> this doesn't balance out and you're only getting kind of two two life points back you can just you know reach over them and say get your black sharpie out pen out and just go now it's three there you go and you get to try <laughs> to try it with that, and it's relatively easy to kind of print off kind of materials. I'm not very good at getting bad feedback, so I would probably grab the card off them, <laughs> slap them across the head with it, lean on the back of their head, write the number three as big as possible, slam it in front of them, and go, "It's three now, okay?" And then you know, storm off and have a yeah, have yeah. a cry about my horrible personality. Well, like. like- We've we've had we've had loads and loads. We've had uh, uh, I don't know probably hundreds of playtesters at this point of the game. Yeah, and you get you get all different types of people. You get people who are really like uh, aggressive with the feedback, and some people who are incredibly nice. Yeah. Um. But it's it's you have to kind of it's so hard to just get yourself away from the game and say it's not about you. It's about making the game the best. Yeah. And just t- like yeah. reading their feedback and then work on it and see what they're trying to say as well. So um. Yeah. But yeah, like playtesting is such a it's like an almost an art form board game design, whereas it's not as important in computer game design. Yeah. Um, because yeah. in, in in board games you're getting so much feedback all the time. You have to kind of learn how to read people and how to kind of understand how they're having fun. Because they might say something that uh, isn't exactly how they feel, you know. Yeah, and you've got to strip the emotion away from it as well, and actually just take down, I guess the the written context of what they're actually trying to say the mechanical context of what they're trying to say and i can see that yeah i mean i think um i've seen i've heard that as well i mean i chat obviously with quite a few designers and i think one thing that comes back is you listen even to the people who even sound a bit nasty about it because it might be just that one throwaway line it's just the way that they're presenting themselves and just saying why I kind of hate it. This game's a mess. It's an absolute shambles. And um, have you considered uh, have you considered having fourteen cards instead of twelve? And it's that bit that kind of is really important and really helps the balance of the game. And I can understand it's kind of stripping it out. I guess like when any play testing session, have you had kind of like play testing sessions where you walked away and went, "That was absolutely amazing," and everybody got it. And at the same time, you've had ones where it's just it's just bounced off people kind of like again and again and again kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, sometimes, because uh, we do a lot of the playtesting in kind of uh, open conventions where people come over and they play. Mm-hmm. And so you get like uh, 30 or 40 people uh, to get to play the game and then they'll give vastly different uh, um, feedback. 
but it's good because you get the it depends on what kind of people they are some people would play the game and it's the first board game they've ever played and yeah. other people have been playing magic the gathering their whole life yeah and so uh, you can kind of you have to kind of balance uh what they say um but i think any feedback is is really is good feedback which is kind of corny to say but um they uh, it's it's all really helpful at the end because even even if someone's having really really good fun you can still gain stuff from what they're saying and how they're acting with the game to make it better yeah and people who are having like a bad time uh, you can work with that a lot better so um it just you just, just got to keep going over and over and over again um because the idea is you're trying to find what the problem is rather than uh, the solution so if you find problems with the game then you can work on the solutions later on um and kind of build up on it. Uh, but you also you can't you can't add complexity to the game as well. You've got to keep it simple. Yeah, there's lots of stuff going on. <laughs> so I mean, why? I mean, it's I mean, let's talk about dice summoners. I mean, you. I mean, where did the idea come about for it? I mean, was it just a culmination of a couple of different kind of design ideas, or did it? I mean, did it come out kind of fully formed and ready to play, basically? Um, well, the first iteration of it was a worker placement game, which is not even anything like it is now. It's a dice rolling game. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> spending too much time with your sister. <laughs> I think so. Gonna yeah, make a game. it's going to be. A- you just said it. I know what happened. You said to her it was a worker placement game, so you could borrow something else off her. And then you realised when you said you were developing a worker placement game, you realised you had to develop a worker placement game. So you developed a worker placement <laughs> game, but then you slowly, over a period of time, moved it into what it is, which is a dice game. Is that maybe? Maybe that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, it's just getting Freud. Yeah, it's getting in my mind. <laughs> it's all uh, subconscious. It's all you know. Just have a seat and relax. Just you know, cry if you want to. Um, but no, well, it's, it, it yeah. is like I, I started off doing Yu-Gi-Oh, which was uh, one of my, one of my favorite card games uh, that I always loved. And um, one of the things that uh, kind of frustrated me when Yu-Gi-Oh, which is in most card games, is that you, you only you pick up five cards, and then you can't. Sometimes you get nothing to do, and sometimes you get a really good move. Yeah. Um, and and you're you're really playing the game to get those good moves, um. Because that's that's where you feel like the whole deck is kind of useful and it's working together. What you have on the board and everything, um, and then there, then uh, so what I decided was we're gonna we're gonna use the dice as the randomness instead of the deck. Um, oh, okay. And the idea is that the is the dice would then be like your actions on on the on the at the board, mm-hmm. and you can kind of build up your army and your. So the idea is you're always giving the uh, player an option or yeah. something to do. Um, whether they want to kind of build up their army or they want to attack or um, all these kind of different strategy options even at the start of the game at the very end um, because we just want to make sure that people have choice because um, that's the one thing we felt was lacking sometimes, not all the time but every now and then you get a you pick up five cards you wouldn't have any choice mm-hmm. um, but yeah uh, and then we um, so they, like we also noticed that in like obviously in Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff people have their own different decks yes um, so we, we thought we'd have a common pool of cards, kind of like Dominion, yeah, uh, where you can kind of pick up and build up your army from that, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of before the game starts, instead of you developing your Yu-Gi-Oh deck, you're kind of both working together to develop the the deck between each other. Um, oh right, okay. Because the only other place I've yeah. seen that is, um, I think it's Star Realms has like a common pool of a common kind of deck in the center that yeah, everybody yeah. draws from. 
And then from there, from that choice that they have, they have to kind of develop their own their own kind of deck, which is always interesting to me because, yeah, there is... I mean, my son plays... Um, he used to play Pokemon quite a lot and he used to play Yu-Gi-Oh! But he used to have the combinations worked out for all his deck, you know, and I... I, I I'm, I'm a bear of very small brain. <laughs> and, you know, he just... I'd play like playing a card and I'm going to play this. And he'd just go, right, I'm going to counteract this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go away. I'm going to make a bacon sandwich. I'm going to come back. I'm going to lay these five cards. <laughs> I'm going to kick your ass. And I'm going to make you cry and give me 50 pounds. Boom. And then there was nothing I could absolutely do. Whereas, you know, um, something like Star Realms, there is always... Because you're coming from the same kind of pool, it is a little bit more, you know, there's a little bit more randomness, but you've, you're kind of both building your deck. There's no kind of pre-drafted stuff, which is always interesting. It comes down to skill. It comes down to, yes, there's a lot of luck, but it comes down to, do I play this card now or what order do I play the cards in or do I kind of hold, kind of hold back kind of thing? Yeah, because it's it, like you, you want to add randomness to your game to make it interesting. Yeah. So it's not the same game each time, but you also want to make sure that the people give, like, you can have strategy and people can make a real choice when it's their go. Uh, and then, like, so if they want to be, like, defensive, they can get a lot of defensive guys or they want to get, uh, like, uh, be, they just want to get a bigger army or they want to get more, like, in, uh, Magic the Gathering, you can get more kind of land yeah. so that you, you're kind, of, you're kind of risking a disco, but then you'll get a better I was going to say, how does a round play out in dice, dice Summoners if I'm sitting, you know, across from you and you're like going, what are you doing in my house? But, um, <laughs> you know, how... Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the idea is that uh, you'll start off with uh, three creatures and three spells, mm-hmm. uh, spell sets, and then those creatures will give you dice. And uh, those dice, then you roll, and then based on the... Uh, symbols on the dice, you get to do specific actions. Um, so you start off with like three dice, and then as you gain more monsters, uh, more creatures with more uh, like more advanced creatures, and they get bigger. You're gonna get different types of dice, more dice, uh, and you'll be able to choose kind of uh, how you want to play the game. Do you want to go for uh, like less dice but be stronger attacks, mm-hmm. or do you want to like do you want to risk mm-hmm. it and have this kind of uh, interesting creature that is difficult to attack with, but um, Gives you much better payoff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So you just all you do is just roll the dice, and then you you pick your actions based on those dice. So uh, it's pretty easy to pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's lots and lots of uh, there's like a load of different types of cards, and then uh, in the box comes with like because obviously it's like you got a common pool of cards in the middle. Yeah. So we have uh, loads and loads of cards to be able to sw- uh, mix and match different types of cards and um, but it all comes in the box there's no like expansions or, yeah, packs yeah. or anything. was it when you're going through something like this is this when the playtesting became important because obviously with random cards i take it to the kind of proc each other and stack together and stuff was it important to kind of make sure nothing kind of broke the game yeah yeah i think uh, uh you do lots and lots of playtesting and um people tend to love certain aspects of the game uh, they like how kind of simple it is, so you want to keep the simplicity. Yeah. Um, but you also want to make sure that people have, uh, if they want, like after the first game, you want to add in more complexity if they want to, uh, which they can do with like other cards. Um, and so, yeah, playtesting is 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 very important. Um, they like there's certain things that people want, like they see in other card games, like Yu-Gi-Oh and Magic: The Gathering. Yeah. Um, where you can kind of combo cards, um, but you can't make that too strong. Because you're both working off the same set of cards, like you can't combo 
like all healers, uh, because then the game would just uh, go on forever, you know. So you'd have to kind of you'd have to make sure that people create a variety of cards. Yeah. Uh, and so it's fun. It's fun the whole way through because you want to split the game into like the beginning, middle, and the end. Yeah. And uh, make sure. Was it's it, fun I mean, the whole way with um, with the game, and you putting together kind of like the you know obviously different kind of creatures and stuff like that. Did you? Did you feel kind of like a need to kind of introduce any kind of lore or a bigger story behind it and stuff like that? Or were you just going to be, let's get the game out there, let's put the mechanics together, let's get it looking kind of decent? Um, was it kind of a mixture yeah, well, between we... the two? Especially, you, I mean, you saying you're coming from like a Yu-Gi-Oh background, obviously there's massive kind of lore implications behind that just because there's like obviously the cartoon and everything behind it. Yeah, the media behind it. Yeah, well, uh, there there is a uh, like a backstory behind the uh, the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so like like there are all these different types of creatures. They're from like different factions of like uh, you have like these Greek kind of uh, manticores and griffins, mm-hmm. and then you have these like uh, demons from uh, of like Baphomet and angels. Uh, so it's all coming from real world kind of mythology, um, except for like the dinosaurs, which are uh, they're actually real. <laughs> <laughs> We've done um, just like accept the dinosaur. Well, the dinosaurs are okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but the, the idea is is that you're kind of summoning forth uh, things, uh, and and mythology is obviously real in this world. Yeah. And uh, so there's, you have like you can bring back uh, using like science, bring back these dinosaurs, and using uh, demonology, you can kind of bring back these demons, um, and then have them fight, and that's kind of like uh, where the lore comes in. Um, but we don't want to, we don't want to hit on it too much just because uh it's it's kind of up to the people to kind of uh to decide like you you want to have people to kind of figure out uh what they want what they want to get out of the game yeah i mean you know? you've got um, i mean you're starting off with a decent number of cards you got like about 128 cards you say in the kind of the, the game does that not take ages to design i mean you know what cuz i'd get to number 7 and probably go i'll just start copying all of these. <laughs> well, no, no, you you kind of have to kind of break the game down into uh, lots of di- different sections. So, um, like like I was saying, beginning, middle, and end. You have these cards that are great at the start of the game, um, and then so you come up with these ideas of all these different types of cards, and then you make sure they're all balanced in that area, mm-hmm. and then you kind of you just have to make sure that there's a balance between uh, as the game progresses, the creatures get bigger and stronger. But relative to uh, how they work, and then you also have other things like that do permanent buffs to everything, and you've like curse cards that affect other people. So you have to make sure everything kind of balances. Um, but I think it's I think if it's kind of uh, it's really uh, fun to see people play, and when they're given a choice that they have, like say they have three choices they can make, they can curse or they can do all sorts of different things. Those three choices are equally good. Because if you have one choice always the best, then they're always going to pick that choice. Yeah. If you have like a creature that's yeah. incredibly good, you're just, they're always going to pick that creature. Um, but I love seeing when people, uh, like they're, they love spells because they play Magic the Gathering or something like that. So they always go for spells only and they'll try and win that way. And that's a viable strategy, uh, if the dice kind of work out in your favor. Um, and then some guy would want to go with, uh, curses or like auras or something. And then so, uh, no matter, you, you look at the, you look at the cards, you might not fully understand the game, but you already come up with a strategy in your head of what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and so, because just from, just from other card games and other kind of media, so it's good to see people actually uh, have fun and do it their way 
and see how it goes. And they might lose, which is fine. But at least they uh, at least they you know did it. I mean, way. with you being um, based in based in Ireland, um, have you? I mean, in order to kind of get the game out there, I mean, um, have you had to do a lot of travelling into the UK to like? Have you done like Games Expo and um, Aircon yeah, and things yeah. like that? Then yeah, has that been has that yeah, been so, important, so, important kind of steps? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, we, I started off in. Uh, uh, Mondial de Jou is the first time we uh, introduced this game, which is a convention in Montreal, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, absolutely beautiful. But uh, um, and then we, uh, but we really want to keep the base in uh, like Europe and in British Isles and Ireland yeah. because that's like you want to start at home and work from there. Uh, so we did go to the UK Games Expo, um, and there being a Dublin Comic Con, and then Tabletop Scotland is coming up as well. Yeah, we'll um, see you there. So, so all these. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's 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 so many cool conventions uh, all around uh, the British Isles and Ireland, um, and we just go, we just show the game to people, and uh, we see if they have fun. We get some, we get really good uh, positive feedback from people, um, and it's just about kind of getting people to join the mailing list, and getting people yeah. to go on social media for the Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's really really fun to go to these conventions and just see people play the game. Yeah. I mean, from you, I mean, from this being kind of like obviously. Um, a new project. Um, I mean, is it is is this really really the big thing now to create as much noise as possible before you launch the the Kickstarter itself? Because I mean, the um, when you contacted me, you were thinking you know the the date for the Kickstarter was going to be kind of middle of September, um, and you contacted me a good couple of weeks ago as well. So it sounds like you're already kind of organised and trying to kind of get make noise, get the kind of the the name out there, get you know, get it in front of kind of like previewers and reviewers and things like that. Um, I mean, has that been a has that been like an an awareness? Because I'm aware that you know, I get co- contacted by people who say, "Oh, could we? Could you help us with this?" And it's like, "Well, when's the Kickstarter campaign running?" And it's like, "Well, it's starting. It started yesterday, kind of thing." So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I to- I to- I totally agree with you that it's uh, it's it's a it's strange because as a board game designer, um, uh, there's three of us working in decking out some games. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're all kind of designers. And so, but the thing is, in a board game, when you're doing Kickstarter and you want to publish yourself, you kind of have to be every role of a company. Yeah. Uh, which is tough. Yeah. So you have to be the uh, the guy, the accountant, and you have to be the marketer and the sales guy. And uh, and it can get kind of get, get tough. But if you kind of focus on those things, yeah. Um, it can work a lot better, and uh, so we we do try and make sure that our marketing is kind of uh, it's it's not it's not great, but at least we have a kind of a step by step process. We give people time to kind of come back to us, um, and we kind of build up the community around it as well. So that, you know, uh, like when you're going to these conventions and you're getting people to play the game, uh, you try and make sure that the people are they feel welcomed and they want to be part of the uh, part of the success of the Kickstarter. Yeah, um, because. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because that's like once the, if the Kickstarter goes well, then the game becomes alive and it's real, and uh, which would be incredible to see. Um, no, I've known I've known um, designers who, um, you know, everybody has their um, dark clouds and stuff like that, and I know of designers who, you know, the it's like yeah, I can, you know, you give me five bits of paper and two dice, and I'll design you a game in five minutes, but please don't make me stand in front of more than five people and get me to explain it because I just, you know, I just can't. I, You know, you get people who 
they have issues with and you know anxiety or just you know just yeah, so yeah. you know or even just like getting on social media it's like what the hell what do i do with a hashtag what do i do with this why do i need to have all these followers what's facebook about what is what am i doing with instagram and it's all of a sudden to say like somebody who's completely competent and has been thinking about designing a game for a while and has that totally down and totally nailed can then come adrift because they're not aware of the number of insights they should have whenever they make a tweet, which sounds like a strange, it's a strange thing to do. And it's a real, do you know the other thing is as well, it's really kind of difficult to, um, there's people that will show you how to do social media, but there's not somebody that will maybe, there's general stuff, but there's not somebody that will kind of sit you down for five minutes and say, okay, here's the four or five things that you should be doing right now in order to help you, which is a bit, it's a very strange. It's a it's a it's a it's a totally different skill set, and yeah. uh, like we've had we've had serious problems. Like there's like we've uh, done lots of things that are, are kind of completely wasted, um, and so like you got to make sure you got to just try everything. Mm-hmm. That's probably the only advice you can give yeah. because uh, like you know stuff like sometimes Facebook won't work so well in specific campaigns. Yeah, and it also depends on the type of game you're you're, you're uh, kind of pushing. Um, but yeah, like once the game is finished and you finish designing the game. That's not this finish. That's not the, uh, the finish. You don't just start Kickstarter the next day. No. There's like uh, you gotta you gotta become a company unless you're like selling to a publisher. Yeah. Which is probably uh, what a lot of people would consider doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, we wanted it. We just we just wanted to have this as our game. Uh, no. I think it's just yeah, like it might not go as well, but at least it'll be real and it'll be kind of what we wanted. Yeah. But I see a lot of people. I see a lot of people kind of like using Kickstarter as an entire kind of learning experience i see some people using kickstarter and having a successful campaign and saying right i've done i've done my one game i'm not i'm not doing anything more i mean i think um um i mean in terms of um kickstarter itself um funding goals seem to be coming up a lot as a topic of conversation and i see very very low kind of funding goals and I see so many low funding goals. I'm like, how the how how the heck are you even doing this? How are you, how are you able to produce a game? Because I, you know, I spoke to kind of like Panda and people like that, and I know they gave me costs and things, you know, just as an idea. And I was like, I'm looking at some of these Kickstarter campaigns. I'm like, how are you even doing that without actually sinking money? I mean, is is there a? I mean, from you kind of doing your research and stuff like that, is is the kind of the trend of having a very very low funding goal? Um, is that damaging? Kind of small, you know, newer guys like yourself. Is that not? Is not that not helping? Kind of thing. So like, uh, it's 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 tough because uh, you you don't have like so like when when we're we're uh, doing the uh, company, you don't have uh, like a whole lot of money to uh, work with anything, and but you do put your do put in some of your own money. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to uh, Kickstarter, uh, like, you, like manufacturing, you're trying to manufacture probably like 1,000 games. Yeah. Or like that's your minimum you can kind of get. Um, but yeah, Kickstarter is a great way of just uh, figuring out if the game is uh, is uh, uh, people like it and people want to buy it. Yeah. Uh, so if you if you if you get like say 200 people, uh, 300 people to buy the game, then that can cover the cost of the 1,000, and then you can start selling that game, and then. Uh, but the idea is you're trying to make sure that you have enough money for like another game, yeah. And then you can kind of build up after that, um, because like obviously we, we put in money for like prototyping and uh, making sure that uh, you have one-time costs of like uh, 
engraving dice and stuff like that. So there's all these kind of costs that come come associated with it. Yeah. Um, so even if the Kickstarter yeah. fails, you're still sunk in some money into it. Um, yeah. So yeah, you, all these things you have to kind of be aware of before you get into it. Yeah. Um, that, it, that it can be quite difficult. Yeah. Well, I know some people that are going to, um, the plan is to, to do the, the kind of the, the simple, safe, you know, success, easily successful kind of guaranteed kind of Kickstarter as if there's such a thing, but then use that. <laughs> I'd to, <love> to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but use that to kind of like to the riskier projects because they say, well, once you've done like one project, you've got almost like the back and audience so you can go back and as long as you work your ass off and deliver on time and everybody's kind of happy, then you can guarantee if it's, you know, you'll get a return, you'll get people coming back. You know, if you get if you get 400 backers, you'll get like, you know, 175, 180 people instantly rocking up to your door and pledging, which is always a kind of like a kind of like a good thing. But I know, uh, yeah, I think the, the, the landscape keeps on changing and... Um, you know, as you've seen recently, you know, Kickstarter saying, well, we're going to do pre-orders for certain publishers now as well. And just like, you're doing what? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's a whole separate. Yeah, the the, the publishers that can afford to uh, do a kick, they don't need to do a Kickstarter. That's a separate thing altogether. Yeah. Yeah. I've ran. I think because. Ran, yeah, sorry. Most, most, most designers have this uh, thing when they're doing their first game, which is the, they want to have the biggest, best game out there. And so they'll have uh, the first game is like got it's got minis and it's got like dice and it's got all these different types of things and it'll end up costing like fifty or sixty euro, um, which is yeah you got to start off small when it comes to Kickstarter yeah um, yeah just yeah. to get your just to get your backing and just get everybody involved unless you're absolutely wired to the moon like Frank West who went out and did right I'm going <laughs> to do the City of Kings and if it's like Frank what are you doing he says they're gonna I'm going to get a box out there that's the size of a small child. And it's like, okay. And he did the City of Kings and he totally did it. But I seem to keep, I seem to keep bumping into these people like Mark, um, <laughs> the absolutely wonderful and beautiful person that is Mark Neidlinger, um, who's got a vindication. And he again, you know, went out and says, I'm just going to do this. And he did like his six, you know, there's a lot of people, I mean, for all, yeah, yeah, I hate to, I don't want to be the doom and, I'm not going to be the doom and gloom guy because there's a lot of people that we've had on the show. That, are, that have done really, really well on Kickstarter, that have done well, that they've got funded, that they've got, you know, the money. Okay, they've not made really any money because um, board games seem to be like opera, is you never make any money out of them, you just make money to make more board games. Kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. I'm stealing yeah. an analogy direct from, um, from, Terry, from Terry Pratchett. Um, <clears throat> have you got... I mean, is the September... The September, I think the September thirteenth. You said, is that still the firm yeah, date yeah. for launch? Yeah, it it is. Yeah, yeah, that's our that's our firm date. Okay, uh, okay, and have you got kind of prices and stuff like that for what you're thinking of the different pledge levels, or are you still kind of working that out? We're still we're still working it out. So we have uh, in Ireland, we've uh, there's a manufacturer, and then there's a manufacturer in Germany and China. Mm-hmm. So we're still working with those, which is going to affect the the time it takes, and then uh, yeah. And the, obviously the cost uh, for like fulfillment and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're still working on it. Um, we have some vague ideas, but um, we're we're just still trying to figure out the nitty gritty. So have you got to do the kind of the risk association with the obviously the the conversion rate for it to be in the euro and stuff like that? Because this is it's obviously choppy water time between the conversion rate between the pound and the euro. So is that something you've taken into consideration as well for the campaign? 
That's a that's a good point. Uh, no, I hadn't. I didn't really consider that. Um, oh, oh, sorry. That's a good point, though. <laughs> oh, <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> but like, because like, it depends on where you're going to get it manufactured. So yeah, if you get yeah. it manufactured in England, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. No, I was just thinking that because I know that um, who was it? I think it was um, um, just I think I was speaking to um, was it El- Elsra Games? Um, Aaron West, and he was like saying there was. Um, he says there was a, a massive change between the Canadian dollar and I think the US dollar and it had a massive effect on how much his shipping prices were going to be. All of a sudden his shipping prices went up by something like 7% and he says it wasn't a big enough cost to, it wasn't a horrible enough cost to cripple him but it was certainly enough cost that he was like thinking about eating beans on toast for the next kind of six months in order to cover it off. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of. I know there's there's so many different there's, there's so many different parts of 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 making the uh, Kickstarter once it's actually completed. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you got to take into account everything uh, like taxes and uh, where <laughs> things are coming from. Yeah. Uh, everything, yeah. and you have to make sure you don't get anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. And it's and, and people yeah. are shouting at you going, "Do you not have fifteen hundred Twitter followers?" It's like, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to fill in my tax form so I don't end up with a four thousand <laughs> four thousand euro fine yeah. in six months in prison. If you don't mind, thank you very much. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there is the other side of you've got the logistics and everything like that. You've got the delivery. You've got like customer service. There's all these kind of different things that all of a sudden get thrust on you as a Kickstarter person. And I've seen people do really, really. I've seen people do great stuff with customer service, and I've seen other people um, kind of having to go. Mistakes were made. <laughs> yeah. Well, I get, we 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 kind of uh, we we spent some time to contacting everybody early. Yeah. Which is a good idea. So you you want to get this stuff that you don't really want to think about until later on. Yeah. You want to do that as soon as possible. Absolutely. These are like the biggest risks, you know. Absolutely. So um, as I said, do you have a do you have a rough idea? You're still talking to manufacturers, so you don't have a a fully. Um, I don't really have a, I don't have a rough idea. That's fine. No, no. That's fine. Sorry. That's, fine. That's, that's okay. <laughs> see, you'll see. We'll, we'll you can join the mailing list and we'll we'll send yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, join the mailing list. Yeah. Join the mailing list, and then you can find out what's actually going to be happening. Um, so have you, I mean, have you got other games? I mean, is this the first of many games that you're thinking about then, Owen? I mean, I take it um, there's, a, there's yeah. a list. There, There is, there is. So like we, we uh, try and pick ones that kind of people are interested in. Um, but also as the game design progresses, like it took around uh, 14 iterations of Dice Summers before we were confident that this was the game we were going to go with. Um, and then so we realized that this is like a solid game that people are having fun. Uh, but we have other games that are, uh, we have uh, Stop the Sea, which is going to be a game where you're kind of uh, traveling around Ireland uh, and like learning about history of the Ireland and trying to stop a banshee. Um, and so then you have other games where it's like an escape room game because they're quite, they're quite popular. Mm-hmm. We had some cool new like m- mechanics for it. That, um, this is quite a relatively early game uh, kind of mechanic, escape rooms. We had some cool ideas for to make it simpler for people to play. Um and so yeah, there's there's a couple of different games that we're working on, um, but it's exciting yeah. anyway because you're taking that first step. So it's like you're the guy that's like sat down and committed stuff, and it's obviously exciting times, but it's kind of scary times at the same time, which is always good. It's always good, as I say. <laughs> do something yeah, every day. Wake you up in the morning. <laughs> exactly. Do something every day that scares you, and make sure you always wear sunscreen. I heard that from somewhere <laughs> I can't remember where. Um, if if people do want to get on the mailing list. If they want to keep an eye on um, on yourselves, if they want to keep an eye, you know, if they want to keep an eye on 
the campaign, if they want to get on the mailing list, if they want to just be involved, where can you, where do you exist on so we're, the internet? Uh, we're go- so we're going to quite a lot of the conventions, uh, which is a good spot if you want to see the game played live. Yeah. Uh, or if you're in Dublin, you can always just uh, contact us. But we're on Instagram as Decking Awesome Games, uh, and we're on Facebook and uh, Twitter. Uh, and if you go to dag dot irish, uh, that's our website where <laughs> you can. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Irish domain. It's pretty good. <laughs> um, and you can just scroll down to the bottom, and you can just add yourself to the mailing list, which would be perfect because that's just we 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 don't send a whole lot of emails. But really, we're just going to send one when the Kickstarter <laughs> starts up, really. Um, but it's good. It's, we also send emails based on where we're going to go for conventions and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, and then just get involved and, uh, hopefully come to, come and see us in Tabletop Scotland. And, uh, that's check the us out. first, the first and the second of September at the Dewar Center. Um, and I tell you what, if you turn up right, you'll see Owen, but if you're, badly behaved then i'll be there as well so <laughs> pre-warned yeah, yeah. is pre-warned is pre-armed i shall be i shall be turning up at that event um my yeah we're, we're gonna we're gonna be in the in the playtesting area at half one on right. saturday cool i'll cool. i'll, I'll, I'll be, mention that uh, are you there for the, the whole of the day or are you just there for a couple of hours or what's the plan yeah we're, we're there for the whole weekend we're just gonna be playing board games and uh, messing about uh, for the rest of the time we're there oh cool okay Excellent. Well, um, as I say, we'll make sure that we shall take all the links that you have given us um, <laughs> and we shall put them Thanks. in the show notes so that we've got notes to show. Where where did the where the company name come from? I have to ask. Uh, yeah, Brian actually came up with that. Decking Awesome Games. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just, it's just a, it was one of those things that he just thought of and uh, it was just perfect. So we went with it. <laughs> we went <laughs> it just sit well. <laughs> Just like that. That sounds good. Yep. Can we get the domain name? Yes, we can. Can we get the Instagram? That's what it is, isn't it? Can we get the Instagram? Yeah. Can we get the Twitter account? Can we get the Facebook page? Yes, we can. That'll do. <laughs> and so, is it a pun? Is it a pun? That's perfect. Exactly. We've got to make sure it's a pun. Do is, it, is it about deck building? Yes, it is. Should we put the word deck in? Yes, it is. You better watch out because you'll get somebody asking to sort out their garden. Yeah, that's actually we did that. With... <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're Google, looking at Google will index you as like garden suppliers. <laughs> so you can somebody <laughs> come around. Could you come round the house at all? It's like what for? Um, well, <laughs> it's an absolute, <laughs> it's an absolute state. And you go around and they're like saying, um, "How much is it?" And you say, "I don't know, five hundred quid." And then you say, "We don't have to do this. They don't have to do the Kickstarter at all. We just have to do fifteen gardens." <laughs> Yeah, it gives us an option to expand, you know, open new ideas, <laughs> new business opportunities. It's perfect. We do, <laughs> we, do we do porches, worker placement, <laughs> conservatories, <laughs> the whole the whole shooting match. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Yes, so um, we'll put the we'll put the links in the show notes, so we've got lo- lots of notes to show. Deep in, take a Thank breath. Thank you very much. That's all right. Thank you very much for coming on. If you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, and uh, I know a lot of you think we've not been up for much just because we haven't been releasing like three episodes a week, but give me a break. I've just moved house and I've been doing a lot of painting and my arms are tired. Um, you, can, you can follow us on various places. You can find us on Twitter at We Are Not Wizards. You can find us on Instagram at We Are Not Wizards. You can find us on Facebook at We Are Not Wizards. You can go to our website, which is We Are Not Wizards dot com you can go to our blog 
because we've been well, we've not only been writing reviews, but we've got some fabulous people like um, Paul Kellett and Ian McAllister and uh, Steve McGilvery who've all been writing pieces for our blog, which is we're not wizards.blogspot.co.uk. So come along and check that out. You can find us all on the various different podcast places like Stitcher and Spreaker and Acast and all these fabulous places. If you want to chuck us a buck or, um, I don't know, bring round a pound, that's rubbish. Or punt us a punt. You can't punt you a punt anymore, can you? Because you're all Euros now, isn't that right? Um, <laughs> then jump on Patreon and help us that way. Um, if you like what you've heard tonight, please go to Apple Podcasts and drop us a subscription because that makes us smile. And if you want to make us laugh and skip down the road, then consider giving us a rating or a review. If you are going to be giving us a rating or a review, remember, don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big-headed. But don't give us one star because it makes us cry. Give us, um, give us five stars because it's in the middle. And it's average. And we're decidedly average. But the person who's not been average is the rather wonderful, the rather fantastic, the rather decking awesome (laughs) (laughs) Owen Costello (laughs) from Decking Awesome Games. Thank you very, very much for coming on. Thank you very much, Richard. Um, There's only two things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Owen? I don't think so. <laughs> Definitely so not. So not wizards. Get out. Sometimes we're wizards, just occasionally, but don't <laughs> tell anybody. That's a lie. Sean Epperson's going to have a field day with that. You know what I mean? I'm, like, <laughs> I'm an occasional wizard. Um, and <laughs> Just occasionally. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's goodbye from Owen. Say goodbye, Owen. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Rollsixes.com. And uh, check out, check out, um, check out Dice Summoners. 13th of September. You know. Come to Tabletop Scotland, check it out there. Don't annoy them too much, because otherwise I'll come over and have a word with you. But, you know, definitely <laughs> check it out. It sounds like an awful lot of fun. If you like, like dice, if you like cards, what's not to love? But until the next time, goodbye.